So one of my favorite things since we've merged into this church is I love, because of the size of this, just hearing everyone's voices praise and worship to God. And usually I'm stuck up on the booth, right? So I hear your guys' voices coming and, and being lifted up to me. But, you know, today I got to be down low and just hear it. And I was getting goosebumps in my arms. And it's, it's, it's just awesome to hear our voices lifting up praise to the Lord. Um, there, there was one time I went to a concert, uh, and it was Chris Tomlin, and he was singing Amazing Grace, and it went a cappella, and it was just 10,000 people singing, and it was just, it was, it was so powerful. Like, what we do here is powerful. Like, uh, it pleases God for us to do this and, and to praise him like that, and it's just awesome. So, we're going to continue in the parables um, the next three weeks. Ernesto did the parable of the soils last week, and we're going to do the parable of the lost sheep today. But before we start digging into that, I want to go back to Matthew 13 um, and in verse 10, because it, it gives us the reason that Jesus does this. And so in my Bible, I don't know about yours, um, but... The heading over it is, starting with verse 10, the purpose of the parables. So I want us to read this and, and just kind of get an idea of, of why this is happening. So starting with verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? So Jesus, why are you doing this? And he answered them and he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So this is why Jesus is speaking the parables. Because in seeing, they do not see. Right? The Pharisees and the scribes, they are they're right next to Jesus. They're following Jesus because Jesus is threatening their authority, and they're trying to find some way to be able to get rid of him and to, to prove to everyone that, that he's not who he says he is, right? So they're right there. So part of this we're already seeing, the Messiah is right in front of them. They don't see him, right? So we'll keep going. Um, and hearing, verse 13, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case of, indeed, in their case of prophecy, Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed, so this is referring back to the book of Isaiah, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So one of the main reasons Jesus is doing this is because Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises, all the covenants, and all the prophecies of the Old Testament. So one of the reasons that he's doing this is to fulfill this the prophecy from Isaiah from the scripture that we just read. But the other reason that he's doing it is they're not going to hear, but the ones that's seeking him, the ones that are, are trying to follow Jesus and to believe in Jesus, they're going to hear these parables and they're going to understand them. So I want us to cover that not only for today, but for the next couple of weeks as we're going through the parables, you can keep this in mind of seeing and not seeing. 
and hearing the parables, but not understanding them, right? So now we'll go over to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to discuss the parable of the lost sheep. So all of you, most of you, we know that verse, right? And we say it all the time, Jesus will leave the 99 and he'll go find the one, right? Like, we know that. But there's seven verses in this parable, and there's a lot going on in the parable. And so I want to take some time. You know, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, um, and Brennan, if you can put it up there, or Nick, it, it, it just says Jesus wants everyone to come to know him, right? So it's, it's not just one sheep. Jesus wants everyone to come to know him. But in this parable, there's a lot of things to learn. And the Lord really spoke to me with this parable. Um, and I started listening to other sermons on it. And I didn't hear anyone talking about what the Lord was showing me with today. So it is still important. Jesus is here to seek and to save those that are lost. And he will go to try to find the one. But that's not kind of what's happening here. So I want to set the scene, right? And the scene happens in the first two verses. And it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners, verse 1, were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And it just became interesting to me in verse 1. Like, it could have said, all the people gathered together. It, it could have said, the people of Israel came to hear Jesus speak. But it doesn't. It says, the tax collectors and the sinners. And this is coming from the Pharisees, right? Because obviously, Jesus can hear them. And maybe other people can hear them too. And they're grumbling, and they're saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. If he's really the Messiah, he should be hanging out with us, not with them, right? And, and this is the, the problem with the Pharisees is they are the religious leaders. They are the law keepers, and they add to it, and they think that they're better. They, they think that their social status is better. They think that they're holier. They think they're more righteous, and they're looking down on these people, right? They're... they're Tax collectors and sinners, right? We've talked in the past, and Ernesto has, tax collectors are not liked. Like, tax collectors' friends are other tax collectors, right? Because they're taking everyone's money. So people don't like them. So they're not considered well. They're not thought of well, right? And this is what Jesus is seeing. He's looking over and he's seeing the Pharisees say this about them, and, and he wants to talk to them. So in verse 3, and, and I love this, right after they are saying, Jesus, you receive sinners and you eat with them. So they think they're better than Jesus. They think they're better than the sinners and the taxpayers. And verse 3 just says, so he told them this parable. So Jesus did this in reaction to the Pharisees grumbling and saying this about them, right? And, and I, I want us to see that because it shows us something. And the first point that, that really comes from this is how we treat people matters. It matters, right? 
we, we see what the Pharisees are doing. We see Jesus look at this, and because of, of how he's doing this and how he's treating them, he decides he's going to tell this story, which they're not going to understand. Jesus doesn't see color. He doesn't see ethnicity. He doesn't see wealth. He doesn't see whether you're in good standing or whether you're clean and all tidied up in your best clothes. Jesus sees everyone that he came in contact with that they were made in the image and the likeness of God, right? And, and that's what made him, like, I, I think he probably was a little irritated at the Pharisees saying this, and he's like, okay, I'm going to tell you a story, right? And we need to do that. I need to do that. Like, there was a point in time when I was younger and a lot dumber, and to my shame, I'm going to tell you guys about this, but you come up to lights, right, and, and sometimes there's, there's people on the side of the road, and they have signs, and they want money, um, and, and they may need the money. Like, they may really need it. Like, we don't know. But sometimes we put our own thoughts into it, and I wouldn't be beyond me to roll down my window and say, hey, just go get a job, right? Like, I, I did that, and I, and I shouldn't do that. It's, it's not right. But I did, and it's, it's kind of a long, the same thing that they were doing, that the Pharisees were doing here with the taxpayers and the, and the sinners. And, but then I had this friend, right, and we would go to Tiger Games all the time. And every time we went, he would take $20 worth of $1 bills. And as we walked in to the stadium and as we walked out, as he came across people that were asking for money and needed help, his goal was to hand out those singles to people and have it all gone by the time we got back in our car to drive home. And he changed my heart on that because of that, right? And so it's, it's just an important thing to start seeing people that way. And as I got older and started getting a little bit smarter, I, I tried to put this into my practice. I, I tried to stop looking at anybody as nothing but made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. And then you just, it's, it's people, and you talk with people, and there's, you, you don't have anything else into that except for being able to love them. And Jesus started to do this here, and it's why he's doing this. And it's something good for us to work towards. So how we treat people matters, right? So then we're going to keep reading on. So he told them this parable, verse 4, what man of you having a hundred sheep, and this is funny, okay? Pharisees, they have money, they have wealth, they have everything that they want, they've just talked down to people so Jesus says, imagine you're a shepherd, right? Shepherds in that day were pretty much right with the tax collectors. They were not thought of well. They were thought of low. And Jesus is asking these Pharisees and scribes to think of themselves as a shepherd. So it's, it's kind of funny. Like when we, when we hear they, they hear, but they don't hear, they may have toned out right there by going, I'm not a shepherd. I'll never be a shepherd. Like, they, they, they may have missed the rest of the story just right there. And, and I'll, give you a, I'll give you an example and we'll see how it goes here. I, I got a couple of them, right? So 
instead of saying, uh, imagine you're a shepherd, what if in this room I said, imagine that you're an Ohio State football fan? Right? Some of you in here coughed just now. Some chuckled. Some in their head are like, no way, right? Some Michigan State fans, they might be with the Michigan fans and thinking that, but maybe not. Maybe some of them would. And then the rest of you that really don't care a lick about football would be ready to hear what I was going to tell you about with being an Ohio State football fan, right? So this is kind of how Jesus did it. So I'll go one further, and we're only going to just barely touch the subject, and we're not going to go further, right? Imagine if I said to you, imagine that you're a Democrat, or imagine that you're a Republican, right? Like, what, what, did that, what does that do to your insides, right? And, and I'm going to tell a story. So Jesus, it, it's, I, he does always talk about being a shepherd and sheep, but I think it was also a little pushing them, making them literally get a little bit uncomfortable and go, shepherd? I'm not a shepherd, right? So it's just kind of funny. It's, just, it's, it's funny that, that he did that. So continue with verse 4. If he has lost one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? So this is the second thing with the Pharisees and the scribes that, like, they have money. They have wealth, right? If they lost one sheep, I don't know that they'd care. They would just go buy another one. They would just not care, okay, there's a sheep gone. Unless, of course, they thought someone stole it, and then they would bring the law and, and do all that. But So now here's the second thing. Like, they're asked to be thinking of themselves as a shepherd, and now they have to go after one sheep, right? So they may just be out of this story. They, they just might not care except for trying to see if Jesus slips up on something for them, right? So starting in verse 5, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The last verse, we, we make this parable all about Jesus leaving to go find the one. And this last verse is where this parable sits, right? It's, first off, heaven rejoices. If, if you're battling a sin and, and you lay it down and, and you're able to walk away from it, heaven's throwing a party. They're, they're excited and they're rejoicing, right? And, it, and, and we know that, that this happens because when Jesus was born, right, what happened? All the angels appeared to the shepherds, a multitude of hosts singing and praising, right? So we know this happens. But this also tells us something that God knows what's going on with us. He, he knows what's going on with each and every one of us here, right? Because if I'm battling something, and, and I lay that sin down and I turn from it, and heaven is rejoicing, they know, God knows what's going on with each and every one of us. He's not a hands-off God. He's a hands-on God, right? So there's going to be that. There's going to be rejoicing. So whether or not it's a Christian who's 
gone away from the church for a while and he comes back, or whether it's someone who gets saved for the first time, or whether it's us actively dealing with our sin and, and laying something down. And all of these situations and these scenarios, there is praise going on in heaven, right? And, and, it's, and that's, what this, that's what this parable of the lost sheep is really about. There'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who, represent, who repents than over the 99. So looking at this story, like, like we, we've been picking the story apart, right? So who is the one? The one in this story are the sinners and the taxpayers, right? And who's the 99? It's the Pharisees and the scribes, right? So Jesus is kind of telling them, like, saying, he's like, you guys don't want me. You don't want to know what I have to say, so I'm going to go spend my time over here where they want to know me, where they want to hear what I have to say. And that is what Jesus is doing with this parable. So let's look at the Pharisees. We see what they're calling them. We're seeing how they treat Jesus. And we see in the story that they think they've got everything that they need. They don't think that they need Jesus, right? They're casting judgment. They're separating themselves from the other people. And so the second point that I really want to bring up from looking at this passage is don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the scribes, right? Because they're kind of living in a bubble. Like We need to be in the world, right? Jesus says be in the world, but not of the world, right? So this kind of goes along with that treating people right, not putting judgment on people, not separating yourselves, not living in a church bubble to where you never get out to talk to somebody. We need to be in the world and we need to be of the world and we need to not be like the Pharisees and, and whether it's our own family, whether it's uh, people at work, whether like we're supposed to be kind, we're supposed to be gentle, we're, we're supposed to show love, right? And the Pharisees aren't doing a lot of those things and they, they kind of show us that in this passage which is, again, that's why I think it doesn't just say that people came or draw near to Jesus to, to hear him speak. It's bringing this whole thing into context so that we can, we can see this, right? So the last point is what we should all be doing anyway. And the third point that I really just want to bring up is that we need to be like Jesus. We need to see what and how Jesus did in the story, and, and we need to follow that. We need to emulate it. It's, it's, it's crazy. Jesus was on earth for three and a half years, or we have the stories of the Gospels in him from like three and a half years, right? And in that three and a half years, he shows us the, what, the proper kind of faith to have. He shows us the proper kind of Christian walk to have the right way to act, the right way to treat people. All of those things are in these stories. If we take our time and we read the Gospels, that we can see how we're supposed to be. He, 
he doesn't just ask it, he showed it. You know, it, it's funny, in, in, in school, um, I, I, was, I was working on a class and, and we were talking about that with Jesus and stuff and, and I'm like, okay, did Jesus ever sing? Like, yeah, he did. He did sing. And there's a couple of spots in where, where Jesus actually sang. So he shows us how to pray. He shows us how to do everything. In this parable, he shows us the right way to treat people. And that if you're like the Pharisees, if you think you are good how you are, if you think, like, a lot of us have a pet sin, a sin that keeps happening and it keeps recurring over and over and over again, and maybe to the point to where we don't even ask forgiveness for it anymore. Or maybe we do just keep asking for forgiveness of it, but it's hollow because we've done it so many times, right? This is kind of like being the Pharisees. They, they knew the law, but they thought that they were just so righteous and that they were so good and that they didn't need anything. They, they, they had everything that they needed. They totally missed Jesus. And we got to try hard to not be that way. You know, so... This is tough, but... So, with that... We should be, be trying to trying to figure out the way that I want to say this. We should take this parable today, and it is true with the lost shepherd. The shepherd is going to go and try to find his sheep, and there is going to be rejoicing over it, and there's going to be happiness, and, and, and all of that's going to be true. But the, the other part of this, I, I think we really need to try to, to sink into and, and try to do better. And, like, for example, I, I, I told you about me with, with someone on the side of the road and, and how my friend changed my heart with it. And now, when I'm driving around the city here, and if there's someone at the light that I come up to, if I have cash in my pocket, and if the Lord puts it on my heart, then I do that. And that, that's what I think the key is. And the key to starting to do this, these kinds of things is just that, is the Lord will put things on your heart. And you have a choice in those moments. Are you going to act on it and do it? Or are you going to just let that moment go by? You know, um, There's times when I pull up to the light and the Lord doesn't put it on my heart. And if the Lord doesn't put it on my heart, then I don't do it. But if you do do it, if, if you roll down your window and you give that person some money, don't worry about what he does with it. That's, that's not what our job is there. Our job is that the Lord put something on our heart and we went and we did it. And that's the end of it. If, if they do whatever, if they go get liquor, if they, you know, um, one person I was talking to got mad because he gave them some dollars and some change and the guy dropped the change on the ground and just kept the dollar and and it upset him and and we were talking and I'm like it doesn't matter 
Like, all that matters is the Holy Spirit spoke to you and you listened and you did what they wanted you to do. And, and that's, that's kind of where this, this whole thing is, is sitting, is just we can treat people better, we can treat our own family members better, and man, if we've got pet sins, we need to take them to the Lord and we need to deal with them. We need to, we need to put them away. Repenting, it doesn't just mean to ask forgiveness for what you've done. The word repent means to turn away from. It means if I'm going this direction, if I repent, I'm now going this direction. right? You're turning the opposite direction. You're walking away from it. And that's what it means to repent and to, to put down something that maybe you've been carrying for a while. You know? And it gets easier to do when you start doing it, too. That's the amazing thing, is when you start on that road, then you can start working on the next thing. Like, one of mine right now, <laughs> it's still been one, but I work at night, and people love to just drive with their brights on, and it just... You know, so Lord's working on me hard every time I reach out my hand. To, you know, it, but he gives you that moment, right? Like, if, if you're praying about that, he gives you that moment to where, okay, you want help with this. I'm telling you, don't put your brights on. Don't put your brights on. And sometimes I mess up and do it. Sometimes I put my finger on it, but I don't do it. And a lot of the time now, I don't even reach for it. But that's the whole point of this, is you take it to the Lord in prayer, you, you lay it at his feet, and, and, and you work on that so that you don't become part of the 99 righteous persons that don't need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We need him every day. And, and that's where this parable sits for me, is, is in that, is I need Jesus. And because I need Jesus, when he puts sin on my heart to get rid of it, I need, I need to deal with it. I need to pray for it. Um, free one. Free one. So for me, when, when I'm trying to, to deal with something that I want to try to, sometimes it's not just a sin. Sometimes you want to get better at something, right? Like, like sometimes you want to not be as a sarcastic of a person as you are which is something I, I demon I battle. So say you want to work on that, right? You don't pray for it after you already told somebody they were a jerk, right? Or said something sarcastic that made your family member or spouse turn around and walk out of the room. You, you, don't, you don't go to prayer then. You, you pray about it at night, and you pray about it in the morning, and then you pray about it when it happens. So that, in doing that, I, I guarantee you if you do that, the Holy Spirit is going to grab you before you get ready to do that. And you're going to have that opportunity to obey him, right? Obey the king, one of our pillars. You're going to have that opportunity to obey the king or to walk across that line and, and commit that sin or whatever that you're working on. So, that one's for free. So I hope you guys like this. Like I said, I, I didn't see anybody talk about this with this parable. And, and I, I think it's really important for that to have come up. And I hope it uh, encourages you guys today. So 
Let's, let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, that you love us so much, Lord, that you created us in your image, Lord, in your likeness, Lord. And Lord, I believe that sometimes we're just always searching for that, that hole that's in us, and I think you put that hole there on purpose, Lord, and, and the, the purpose is for you to be in that hole and, and for us to fill up with you, Lord, whether it's with depression, Lord, or things that we're just really worrying about, Lord, that, that we just need to put it at your feet and, and trust you with it, Lord. And then, Lord, I just I pray that if, if there's some sin that is just repetitive in our lives today, Lord, I just pray that we will bring it to you, Lord, and we'll, we'll start working on it, Lord, and, and, and get past the, the either not asking for forgiveness or just going through the motion of it, Lord, that we'll, we'll get real with it. And then, Lord, just before we close, I just wanted to pray for Ernesto and Angie and the family, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'll just give them safe travels, Lord. Keep them from getting sick. Keep them from harm, Lord. And I just pray that you just bring them back safe. We ask all this in your sweet and precious name. Amen. So, announcements. Announcements, announcements. And we're going to do offering? Yes. So, um, do we have, uh, do you have ushers, Tony? So, why don't we go ahead and come up and, and start the offering. And while we're doing that, I will cover announcements. First big announcement, right? We handed out a piece of paper about going to two services. And we tallied the results, and they were confusing and close. Um, they really were, you know. Um, so the decision is that we are going to be going to two services. The first service date is going to be March 5th that we do two services. The first service will be full on for kids. So we'll have all of the nurseries open. We'll have the kids um, Sunday school going. And then the after the, the later service, you can still come and bring your kids, but if you come and bring your kids, it's going to be in here, right? And it's awesome because it gives our workers a, a chance also to be able to serve like they want to and then be able to come in and do service as well. So the time, I'm holding it off on purpose. You can go ahead and start. Go ahead, go ahead and go ahead and start. The time that we are going to do is going to be 9:30 and 11:30. So that's what we're going to start with. That's kind of how everything fell out from the voting and uh, looking at also the the parents of kids, that kind of took some consideration into it. So March 5th, put it on your calendars. We will get it out on our website. We will get it out on our monthly. But March 5th, it will be a 9.30 service and an 11.30 service. So we'd like to not have it as long in between the services, but we got to see how it works, and we got to see how the parking goes with people leaving, people coming in, all that kind of thing. So that's that. The other thing is tonight um, downstairs at starting at 6 o'clock um, 
every year for our recovery guys, we throw a little Super Bowl party, right? So um, we will have the game on downstairs. We will have some food. Um, if you don't have anywhere else to go, um, come on and join us. So, all right. And with that, you know, we're dismissed. <laughs>